attention, attention please. The Camp Ojibwa History Podcast is on the air. Welcome to the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. My name is Christopher Thomason. I'm your host for this and many, many more trips down memory lane. The Camp Ojibwa History Podcast is a podcast dedicated to collecting the stories, the history, the memories of Camp Ojibwa for Boys in Eagle River, Wisconsin, founded 1928. This week's guest on the podcast, Scott Sang. That's right, Scott Sang. Uh, Scott is uh, more recent than most of our guests, more recent to camp than most of our guests on the podcast. But as you may know, if you know Scott and you've ever talked to him about camp at all, uh, he holds a, a very specific distinction. There's a uh, an athletic achievement, uh, a team-related athletic achievement that he was in charge of and uh, no one else has done. So uh, you're going to hear all about that in great detail uh, today as well as a few other things, but that we really talk in, in great detail about that particular feat. Before we get to that, of course, a little bit of housekeeping. First of all, OJ90, May 6th, 2017. If you haven't bought your tickets, just go do it. Like, what are we waiting on? What are you, what are you doing? There's, there's no discount for waiting. <laughs> so go to OJ90.com, click on buy my tickets, buy your tickets, get your tickets done. If you need a hotel room while you're there, book a hotel. If you want to just get a hotel room so you can have a party room during after the thing, do that too. Do it all right there. OJ90.com. Go there right now. Pause the podcast. Go get it done. Then come back and hear all about our guest. Uh, also, of course, remember the bricks are going away. Uh, we're in the last couple of weeks of offering the bricks. So if you've not gotten your commemorative brick for the history project, head over to campojibblehistory.org. Click on buy my brick. Get that done. You're not ever going to have another chance. It's going to be a one-shot deal. That's the end of it. All right, here we go. Scott saying. On the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. H to the Izzo, V to the Izzo. But Shizzle, my nizzle, used to dribble down in VA. Was hurting them in the home of the Turpins. Got it dirt cheap for them. Plus, if they were short with cheese, I would work with them. Born in we got rid of that dirt for them. Wasn't born hustlers, I was birthing them. H to the Izzo, V to the Izzo. But Shizzy, my nizzy, keep my arms so breezy. Can't leave rap for the record, please say your name and your years at camp. My name is Scott Sang. I was at uh, Ojibwa for 12 summers. Uh, see, seven as a camper and five as a counselor, 90 to uh, 2002. Or one, excuse me, 2001. Nice. Very nice. Uh, so how do you come across Camp Ojibwa? How do you start there? Uh, I started at Ojibwa when I was around nine or ten um, was going was looking at summer camps to attend, and my dad, who's uh, from Highland Park, I grew up in Glencoe, and he um, had brought uh, in basically a couple different camps to sure. show me what they're all about. And he actually, my father had gone to Kawaga oh. himself, so that was the favorite going in. That sure, was the, of course, <laughs> the leader, right? Um, and uh, the the uh, the Kawaga guy came in. I don't remember his name, and then Denny came. And so this is at some point in 8990, and uh, I saw the, the Ojibwa video from that summer, and um, I decided I 
just I, I didn't have allegiances to Kuaga, and I thought I would like enjoy Ojibwa better, look cooler to me. I think Collegiate Week was a big hmm. um, selling point, and I kind of wanted to make my own mark, even at that age, where I was like, yeah, you know what, I want the uh, I want to do some things differently. Sure, kind of do your own thing, not live in your dad's yeah. shadow. And so, and I, so that's how I, I uh, kind of got uh, into Ojibwa, and just I, I chose that one, and that's where I went off to, and I didn't know really know a soul, um, a couple people that my parents were friends with that they had, uh, well, one person, uh, Chad Evans, uh, I met maybe once when I was a kid, his parents, um, were friends with mine. Gotcha. Now when you got there, were there more Glencoe kids there or were you kind of it? Um, I was the only Glencoe kid, uh, that I w- that was in my age group oh, at I that see. time. Sure. Um, if there were older ones, I didn't know of any. Right. And there may have been, I think there was two guys that were a year younger than me that were nine in the age group younger. That would have been Andy Domont and uh, Kevin Eightball Morgan. <laughs> Very nice. I'm sure we'll get to all those guys. So <laughs> you, you go up to camp, uh, you load up on a bus. Now, are these da- in those days, was it pull over halfway up and have lunch? Or did you just eat and keep driving? Uh, let's see. We, uh, we, we stopped at a rest area, um, to have lunch, uh, you know, bagged lunch, I believe on the lamers trucks, sure, which course. I believe they still use. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically, uh, eat, eat your candy, socialize. And you know, the right. one kid who had a, a playboy, people would huddle around that. <laughs> right. right. Everyone burns through their sports illustrated and then they try to find where the real stuff is. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I, I actually remember one kid in particular, he sold his Playboy to a kid who gave him eighty dollars for it. Every <laughs> dollar that he had for the summer from his parents, a, a young, a, wow, uh, one of the younger uh, fellas. I don't remember who had bought it. I just was like, <laughs> dude, I'm like, you didn't have to blow your old wad on that. Well, no pun intended, <laughs> right? I mean, that wasn't even That's intentional. Fantastic. But, but anyways, know, yeah. I'm sure he got eighty dollars worth of fun out of it. <laughs> yeah, memories of a lifetime, I'm sure. sure. I remember uh, my first year, that one of the kids that in my cabin, his dad had sent up a Playboy with a Sports Illustrated cover glued over it. Oh, yeah. And I was like, this is so awesome. Like, I totally wouldn't take it away from him because I was like, this is great. Like, he set you up. That's awesome. Yeah. So you get up to camp. What's the first thing you can remember about Camp Ojibwa? Uh, the being, I remember playing uh, softball the very first uh, activity period uh, out in the far field right? with many, there was probably six, seven, eight games, something like that going on on different various point places in the far field. Yeah. That used to be a thing on, on the first night of camp, the first activity period was all softball for everyone. So everyone played everywhere. That would probably make sense as to why they crammed, uh, we were crammed all the way out there. Yeah. I think I was, I believe I was, was I in grapefruit or peach? Peach, I think. Uh, yeah, peach. Yeah, because I think they would turn the far field into like six different fields. Like it was, yep. you know, diamonds four through nine. I remember that. And I believe we won the game. I believe we won in a high scoring affair. Um, I, so th- that's one of my earliest, earliest memories. I believe on day one, I, I, um, I uh, another early memory that I have randomly was, uh, I had it was dipper shower in the morning, and I had uh, was returning back to the cabin after uh, I believe dipping, and um, kind of was uh, had my head down, whatever. Like thought I was in the pathway to cabin three, which was the cabin I was in in my first year in '90, and um, but I was looking down for whatever reason, and I uh, walked into the door thinking I'd walked into three, and I turns out I was in cabin walked into four, 
And uh, I just made not, you know some sort of announcement as I walked in, like, yeah, what's up, whatever. And like these kids, <laughs> everyone's looking at me like, dude, you're in the wrong cabin. And, and then like the counselor, FJ, I believe, was like, you looking for something? And the first thing that came to my head was, yeah, I, I just I'm looking for my shampoo. It, uh, if anyone finds it, and he's like, well, what kind is it? And I this wasn't well thought out. And I'm ten. <laughs> and I said, uh, J- uh, Johnson and Johnson. And then, of course, all the kids started, you know, busting out laughing, like, like the no tears baby right, shampoo. Like, baby no, shampoo. I didn't know. It was the only thing that came to my head. I was like, fuck. I don't know if fuck was the word that came to my head at that point, but whatever sure. the equivalent is for a 10-year-old of fuck, right. that's what I was thinking, like, <laughs> son of a bitch. Like, it was mortifying. Of course. Looking of course. back, like, who gives a shit? Right. But at but that point, I was early like, on, I don't I mean, know anyone here. Now exactly. I'm like the guy who has the Johnson & Johnson no, you know, baby shampoo. Like, god damn it. Nice. So those are a couple of my earliest memories. Very nice. Um, so let me ask you this question. So 90, it's still uh, the transition to the, the uh, Rosen era, we'll say. So when Denny and the group buy camp and take over. A 90 is still pretty new in that phase. So they took over in 86 yeah. was their first summer. And Correct. so they're still like really out there hustling, trying to get the numbers in, trying to build the camp mm-hmm. up. As a young camper, do you have any sense of that? Or is that something you only sort of know, like, retrospectively? I had no idea. Yeah. As far as I knew, Denny Rosen had been there, was the director in charge, uh, basically was running the show forever. forever. I, had, sure. I, I didn't know at that, that point that uh, he, it was only at the, what, his fifth summer as the director, although he had been there for right. many years. And that prior to, so Al Schwartz's last year was uh, 85, right? Mm-hmm. So, um I, I guess I wasn't um, really conscious of it. However, um, I I did I did know that there was um, I did know of Al Schwartz and that he was there prior, but I really wasn't thinking about because I guess when you, when you're ten, well, sure. five years is half your life at that point. Right, absolutely. So I'm like, oh, he's been here for <laughs> half of my life. Sure, is running it. When you came into camp, did you already like sports? Were you already a sports kind of kid? Oh, are you fucking kidding me? Uh, Yes, basically. Uh, it's really, in, in a nutshell, yes. I was a huge <laughs> sports nut. And what was Still your, am. What was your favorite sport to play? To play? Uh, you know what? I, I, I guess my, my favorite sport to play as a real youngster was uh, basketball very early on, but that wasn't um, my best sport. I didn't, get, or I didn't hone on those, those skills because I, I never really grew, and so I was like kind of – focus on other things but basketball was initially the most fun to play um but i played a lot of uh tennis even though i didn't love it that seemed to be my best sport nice um uh in in general but at camp i would say my favorite sport to play for sure was uh i loved floor hockey oh nice that was great um i didn't play hockey but i just would i mean just whack the shit out of that (laughs) puck and i mean slash did whatever i was your quintessential um, scrappy, scrappy guy. Like it, it technically wasn't sound, but I was getting, I was, I was going to get the job done one Absolutely. way or another, somehow, some way. That was, a, I loved that sport and football too, because I had good, really good lateral quickness and hand-eye coordination is really nice. So if it touches my hands, I'm going to catch it. Um, I wasn't a quarterback, but I was the guy who I was basically like your your Wes Welker, your Julian Edelman, like. Get, throw it to me in the slot. I'm catching it. We're getting a first down. We're doing whatever. Defense. That was a high IQ. Nice. Totally going off on a tangent. but uh, Not at all. That's what we're talking about here. So you come going. to camp, and, and uh, 
that's what it's all about. So it's all about the sports. Now, when you got there, were there other things other than the sports that appealed to you as well? Mm, no, I think it was just the sports so and really the camaraderie. On leagues of, and, and the events that would, the big events that would happen, yeah, which we will certainly get to. And having fun and just basically having fun with and uh, making memories of a lifetime and, and playing sports. So that was, that was everything. Nice. Now, what year were you at? How many years have you been at camp when Gordy comes up for the first time? My brother's first year was 1992, I believe. So he would have been nine. He won collegiate week in his second year. Wow. Nice work. Yeah, as the youngest on the team. He was on (laughs) Princeton, uh, whereas I never won it as a camper. But we'll get to it. I did win it eventually. We'll certainly get to that. As you'll hear on this podcast, I'm sure. Uh, So what was that like now all of a sudden having a younger brother run around camp? Gordy, who's awesome now, um, has been for many years now, um, (laughs) since 97. I can tell you specifically he's been cool. But that, uh, unfortunately, his first years at camp predated 97, as I mentioned. So uh, Gordy was uh, quite a... A, a little shit back in the day. I he see. just was like to just be a just a little motherfucker. Um, so I didn't really. It was. I guess if I were to choose, I would say more so of the uh, dude. This guy's cramping my style. Um, sure. Type of stuff back then, but um, you know, Gordy Gordy made a name for himself because not as an athlete, definitely not that, but because he just would. He was a little kid who had a big mouth and like older kids would, would, would fuck with so a a lot and he would get really mad and it was be fun to, funny to them to see. And so he, people knew who Gordy was and I kind of was like, uh, you know, like I was was a little bit, uh, not, not embarrassed about it. Just kind of like, I wish my brother had a little bit of a different, uh, (laughs) path or something that he was more known for than like, oh yeah, you're, you're Gordy's brother, that fucking kid. God damn it. You know? Along those lines, uh, talk about staff guys that were your guys, guys that along the way, as you were a camper, staff men who really like you connected with, became great friends with. Okay. Well, uh, I would say that I, the, the, for the earlier days, I mean, one counselor in particular that I had in my first, um, I believe I had him in 91 and 92, my second and third year, um, was Adam Motion. Um, he doesn't really remember me too much, which was, I was a little bit disappointed with when, uh, I'd mentioned it. Uh, so we're not super tight, <laughs> sure. but back in the day he was, he was like, cool. You know, he was cool. Well, he course. was, first of all, he, well, he was like probably what, six, 17, 18 back then. And, um, but he looked like he was 15. Um, and you know, he was cool. He was into hip hop, uh, real early on. So I remember being introduced to that stuff. And I remember he had, he would bring up about. 25 pairs of shoes, maybe more. Wow. And so like, you know, I was, I, I thought I was his go-to guy to, to organize his shoes and put those in. I would, you know, I would do anything. Um, he was a good hooper. He just was, Adam Motion was cool. So he's one, Andy Ross, Brad Poland. Those are guys that were some of my first concerts. And of course, Darren Annixter oh, sure. was like the, he was the, the guy. Like he, he and Seth Marks, I remember, uh, specifically because Seth, Seth in my mind, uh, it worked this way because Seth was big and he was a Trojan and I was a Trojan and Darren was a Spartan and they were, you know, like the, ran the shows there. Those were like the, nice. the big guys. They were fun, funny. They were great with, with the kids. And um, those were guys that I absolutely um, adored i mean just getting like a french fry one you know on a on a food run once like i'm like nice like i'm cool like 
Sure. He gave <laughs> me this. So I didn't even know that he knew that I was alive. But <laughs> So it's the little things like that. Um, Let's talk about Collegiate Week first in your camper experience. So as a young as a first as a young camper, and of course, as you get older and you eventually become a two seven, a relatively strong two seven, from what I've heard. Uh, <laughs> what is your collegiate week experience like? Do you like it? Is it like the best thing ever? Is it the worst? Like okay, so it was the be- the best, the coolest thing ever because it's 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 a way to take something that's applicable to professional and collegiate sports um, and put it uh, with you specifically. Um, as a, as a person that's not actually, I mean, a professional, but where you teams are formed, you're they're drafted, there's strategies involved, and it's just a week long of intense, awesome sports, a highly uh, revered event. Like that was the biggest thing. I mean, probably uh, like in my life at that time, I loved it every second of it. I was just, nice. I was highly in tune with what was uh, going on in terms of uh, collegiate week and just what it was about. It was like my everything. Sure. Camper so, and counselor. As a camper, you did not win, but what was your best finish? As a camper, yeah. uh, fourth place. Um, I did not have the good fortunes of being on, uh, selected on to, re- uh, had a couple last place finishes. My, my first uh, collegiate week in 91, Notre Dame. Ten years later. Interesting. Um, <laughs> Interesting bookends to that career. Yep, yep, yep. Jim Bernetti, Todd Annixer were the coaches. We Basically, the team was picked centered around JV basketball. We, Scott Snower, Eric Annixer, Snow. I was definitely, I was like eighth guy for hoops there, for sure. <laughs> like, But we dominated our JV hoops games, but we oh, definitely finished in last place. And then in 95, finished way in last place. Army, Robin Jaska. Oh, um, wow. Was that his first year Joey coaching? Lyman, his first year coaching. Because uh, he had been a, a kitchen guy who became a staff guy, right? Right. It's a very rare move in Campo Jim. I know. That was, uh, yeah, Army. We, we came in uh, dead last by a lot. We did have Luke Nesper on our team like a, when he was like seven. Um, but again, you can't control where you're drafted. You, all you can do is play to the best of your abilities. And I did that. I was very strong with the team events. But, um, hey, I mean, it was frustrating. I had a frustrating collegiate career as a as a as a camper in terms of success, but definitely have uh, great memories of uh, things that transpired, um, you know, victories within uh, the week itself because sure. there's so much action that goes on. You no doubt had to take part in some things on the Camp Ojibwe Rec Hall stage as mm-hmm. part of your uh, collegiate week career. No, the, the, the stunt that was supposed to be like a big deal was the one in 93. So that one was a Wizard of Oz type, okay. type thing, but it was, um, and that was uh, ruined. It was, oh, wait, our coach, my coach wasn't Brian Weinberg. He was supposed to coach. He was upset that he didn't coach, but he had written a stunt ahead of time, and I believe that we kind of adopted his stunt with his permission. <laughs> sure, and maybe and it, 50 and it was bombed, And it bombed, and oh. it bombed big time. Um, Adam <laughs> Rubens forgot his entire verse, and it just was the dead air. He didn't do a good job of, of moving on. He just kept, Start uh, and it just it bombed big time, and that was supposed to be like a big one, and it sucked. So then, going forward as a JC, did you get uh, picked to assistant coach? Uh, yes, I did. I did um, get picked as an assistant coach um, both years that I was a JC. Uh, so that would have been ninety seven and ninety eight, and it was very nerve wracking to because I re- you know I campaigned 
uh, all sure. summer long. I was really into, so I, I knew my shit. I mean, I was on it. Um, and uh, though that was a big deal, being being selected both years. Andrew Copans, 97 Michigan. So 98, I coached with uh, Penn, uh, at Penn, and we were good. We were in first place heading in the last day. Benji Schwab. Um, Elliot knew how much of a big deal it was to me and how like that was. So he purposefully left Schwab as the last coach to announce um, his JC. And nice. I remember by the time it got to the last one, I still hadn't been named. Like I started to like <laughs> get the, uh, the onsets of, uh, of anxiety where, you know, where you start, like I, things started, you started getting the tunnel vision, the tingling, like I'm devastated. I thought, Oh my God, that's not going to happen. And then he said, it was like the, the, I was, I don't know, I, don't, I couldn't even tell you what I did. I was fucking... <laughs> so, and 98 is the year that, isn't that the year that Stu wins? Yeah, Ohio State and... won. Um, that was, yeah. I mean, that was definitely the sentimental favorite. And they sure. earned it, and they won it, and they were they were right up there the whole time. And they they stepped up uh, down the stretch and uh, grasped it and won it all, and we, uh, we choked. Uh, so all of this is sort of rolling toward what will be the pinnacle of your camp career. Uh-huh. And it's a story that I, it's a story I wanted to get to today, mostly because it is uh, unmatched, certainly in the modern camp history. 2001. Let's start at the beginning of the year. So you're coming to camp. Do you know it's going to be your last summer going in? Yes, I did. So coming up, you already knew because, uh, you know, there's a little senioritis sometimes that kicks in with guys like some guys come up for the last summer and just lay in bed all day and go out all night or whatever. You know, so it can be it can be a tough thing. Sure. So, you know, you're coming in your last year. I did. It was because it was my that was my last summer uh, going into college. I was going to be a senior at Indiana. Um, what cabin are you in? I was in. Uh, I don't when, remember. When you say Zach Mursky. Um, Scott this, Levy. There's a great bunch of kids, by the way. Reed Adler, yep. Chris Ches, maybe. All those guys. Yeah, great that bunch was of kids. The, I had them several years. Like that kind of like I had them when they were in cabin one. And so and I had them a couple other times and then I then I had you know what I did then I had them again um for I believe the second four of my last year because I, I, I was able to move in there however it worked out, but I needed that to be with those guys. So I, that's who I had those, those guys, uh, my last summer as well. And I, I definitely still in touch with a lot of those guys from that age group. Yeah. It's a great crew. That was my second crew in 2000 in uh, cabin 14. So that's, that's the setup. So you come up, you've got, you end up with great kids that you've been with all along, but you know, what's your last year. You're, you're probably a coaching lock. I'm assuming. You oh, yeah, years yeah, to be, yeah. So you know, for sure. Cause you're I coaching. coached. Yeah. Every year. Yes. I knew I was coaching. <laughs> nice. That was a given. So pick it up from there. When does the re I mean, the week starts now could apply to any day of the year, but when does the, when does this week start for you? It, it really gets rolling. The f- first day of the second session, these are the kids that are going to be up here for the week. Uh, that's really when I locked in on scouting. Sure. Um, I knew the kids in the Cantaloupe age group quite well because I also coached with their age group for the years too. So I had a lot of the same guys. Uh, also, you know, Elrod, who's a year older, Daniel Elrod and, and, and uh, Jeff Perlman and, and, and company. Um, those guys I had too. But either way, I knew that age group like the back of my hand. And I also knew uh, the guys older. I mean, I'd been coming there for many years, but I, uh, I, I mean, I kept spreadsheets, charts. I mean, the whole nine. Um, I did a, had a system, ranked them one through five um, in each of the sports. 
uh, each kid from each cabin um, and gave them, you know, a, 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 you know, three, two, whatever it may be, five being the highest, and then would tally up their scores and, you know, kind of and put a, put them all together. Now, when I say spreadsheet, it was a handwritten spreadsheet, but right. whatever I had. It, and <laughs> if I, only you had a laptop with Excel on it, it would have saved you hours and hours. Um, so, so rolling yes. forward, uh, we get to the first Sunday and the coaches are announced and they get to pick their teams. Now, uh, are you, do you know what team you want? Like, did you go in knowing you wanted Notre Dame or did, what, did you fall into that? Uh, so, uh, it's a good question. So I, you know, my first choice was Indiana, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I made Notre Dame my second choice because after that it was, I considered what are the most um, traditional or, you know, I just was looking for a team that I could visualize as the winner. No, it's really, I don't know why. I just thought I, for whatever reason, I'm like Notre Dame, everyone knows the fight song. They have, you know what? They haven't won it in a while and a long time at that point. So um, let's go with a traditional team that's in the week a lot that people know the songs that'll be easy so i put notre dame my second choice and um i got my second choice now yeah. we roll forward the next big of the next big piece of the lead into collegiate week mm-hmm. is of course picking your jc now i believe that the process by which you oh, got wow. to choose your jc was an interesting one quite possibly not the one that normally happens so for the listening audience, the normal what normally happens is uh, all the coaches go out on a pontoon with Elliot, and they draw numbers out of a hat there, and then they get to pick their order out there. They come back to the beach, announce their mm-hmm. assistant coach, and the assistant coach runs out, jumps on them, they go in the water, that sort of a thing, and that's how you find out. Now tell us what your process was. Uh, long and the short of it was um, that the day of the JC picks, my my parents happened to be up. Um, at camp visiting that, that weekend. And, um, I remember they, they were, oh, they, we wanted to go, they wanted to take my brother and I out to uh, country kitchen or something, you know, for breakfast or whatever it was or brunch type thing. And sure. Yeah, that's cool. And I remember just kind of like, yeah, I, I don't know why. And this may not be the total way, but I believe I remember asking Victor, I don't know why I asked Victor. It's like, dude, what time are the, uh, dude, uh, what time are the, 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 uh, we doing the JC things? And he's, uh, I think he said something like 1215, whatever, something like that. I was like, all right, cool. So we go, go country kitchen, no problem. Come we get back to camp and in the parking lot, walking up, like I don't remember exactly who it was. A couple campers maybe be like, "Where have you been? They've been announcing your name. They've doing the, they did the G, they're, they're doing the JC picks," and, and I'm like, "What?" And I'm like, I, "It was like noon at that point." I'm like, "Well, I, I thought it was. A, what do you mean they're doing it now?" I'm like, "I got to get out there." They're, and someone's like, "Dude, they've been, it's been like an hour. Like whatever. Like they're out there." I'm like, "What the fuck?" Wow. So it turns out that. By the time I, I get to the office, who knows? They'd already done it. It was done. They'd already done the pick. Now, they didn't announce the picks. They'd just chosen their people. Right. Uh, my heart is like flying like, I have put all this preparation into the week. And what the fuck happens now? How do you miss the picks? What, what, what am I do? What's going to happen? What do I do? I'm informed by Elliot and Denny. Uh, they talked to me in the green room um, that uh, I missed the picks. They were done already. And that... I had uh, left by default bit with the last pick, even though I didn't actually, my name was actually pulled for like the seventh 
pick or something is what I was told, but it, I wasn't there. So on to the next person, on the next person. And uh, so I was basically that, that year there were tw- uh, 12 teams in the week and 15 JCs. So only three or four guys didn't, or two or three guys didn't get to coach. So there were, let's say there were three names left. I think it was my brother. Well, definitely no, it was one. He was uh, Tyler Condon and um, Josh Weiss. And I did choose one of those three. So, you know, your first thoughts are, I'm not like, oh, my brother's still there. My first thoughts are like, I fucking missed this. And how, how did I do this? And it, go, looking back, and I could say this with certainty now and uh, for years now, I'd say like, my brother should have always been my one, period, my first pick. Um, however, I mean, uh, full disclosure, at that time, and, and I think he knew it too, my brother wasn't my first choice, not because I he wasn't my brother and I, he, I didn't fucking love him, but because I wanted to win so badly that in my, my mind, Todd Hayden, he, for coaching and whatever, he was my, Gordy was like my, my, one of my top choices, but not my number one, whatever it was. So I, but, and it sucked being in the position. It's like, everyone knows really, they know that you, the other guys will know the other two, you, you had the last pick and you, but it was easy for me because, because neither Josh or Tyler kind of could get mad at me because it's like, can you imagine if I would have bypassed my brother at that point? <laughs> my parents are up there. We go announce it. Like, talk about right would have been the worst thing ever. But he was uh, uh, definitely one of my top choices. So I lucked into that. It was I was really upset about it at the time. Just uh, just again because it's like. I fucked up. I mean, like, how, who misses the picks or just, sure. I wasn't thinking at the moment it happened, like, I'm with Gordy, it's fine. It didn't take long for me to get there. Right. Um, so I had to, to cool off for a while, and so it, was it was embarrassing. Almost, so it was almost like you missed the sort of backstage pick part, not the presentation part. So the presentation part was going to happen a little later. You thought, oh, we'll be back in time for that. But really, the picking had already happened. Well, yeah, no, I before. thought I was going to be back in time yeah. to pick. Gotcha. But apparently... Not I never I don't know why I never checked with Ellie I just was an idiot. Sure. Uh, ADD whatever wasn't really thinking about. <laughs> like hello like this is what you've been thinking about pretty much your whole life and all summer and now like you'd think you'd be on it but I wasn't. Um, but I didn't miss the announcements. But kind of people knew there was a buzz. People knew because that I'd missed the sure. picks because I wasn't there. They were announcing my name and like you know other guys would be like yeah this is fucking saying this whatever right. by the time I show back up. So then we get that sorted out, and I'm, I, I'd say what's up. Um, so no, nobody you know, knows, I mean, just myself, Elliot, Denny at that point, who I, I, I've chosen, and so they're waiting for me to get back so they could blow the whistle and get everyone to go do the pick, or announce the picks. Uh, the picks in itself that year, and you can see it, it's on, uh, on the DVD, uh, I was uh, just kind of coming to terms with like, what happened. And they're doing it at the campfire site. And then, um, I'm, you know, maybe like fifth, halfway through, um, my name's called. I got this white hooded sweatshirt on my Miami Heat warm-up pants. And I remember walking up and I had the hood on, pulled over my head, you know, kind of like, you know, I get up there and I'm walking up slowly and everyone's like, ooh, because I, uh, you know, who am I going to pick? What's, what's I was one of the coaches that uh, was more of a desirable location to land, I would say, for the JCs. So... People were like, who's going to work with Sank? Um, and I went up there and I pulled my hood down and this is verbatim and everyone was kind of loud. And I just go, I'll wait. 
I'll wait, you know, and then everyone kind of calms down. I was like, oh. and I just put it together at that point. I was like, collegiate week, you know, it's awesome. And uh, I'm going to win it this year. Notre Dame, this team, Notre Dame, w- will win it. And I've selected an assistant coach. And then I take a second to pause. I step up onto the stage, um, just one step up. And I go, and that assistant coach is, I clear my throat, it's dead silent, Gordy Sang. And then everyone just busts, like, you know, like, ah, and Gordy, my brother's all fired up, and he runs up, and I, I started to tear up, I have tears of joy. That's the first time I've ever admitted that. I've denied that up until this moment my whole life. <laughs> so I pulled the hood over my head. I took the hood down to, admit, to say what's up, but then I put the hood back over my head and kind of put it back over because sure. he was so excited, and it was kind of just a... It was just a, an emotional thing. Like, I'm with my brother. I had him the year before as well. And this works out that way. And everything else was forgotten at that point, like, that I had missed it. But it was, it was a really cool moment. What pick did you guys get? Well, uh, for the third time, I <laughs> pulled the one out of there. <laughs> so one, one again. Um, Leading up to the week, I definitely I'd been on the record as, as uh, saying to to um, you know whoever uh, maybe a handful of people that had known I I'd mentioned like as I was my, doing my you know all the stuff putting it all together I was like strategically I was like man I really want the one everyone says they want the one but like I really want the first pick because I feel very good about what I could do with my second third and even. Uh, where things I think would lie for the, the fourth round, fifth round. I just like that position more so than actually, and because Catlin, Adam Catlin was the hands down one. He was the one, one the year before too. Right. And the first round pick the year before that too, when he was in cabin 11, he was sweet. So um, I uh, pulled the one, we were the second team to go up. The first team that was called, um, you know, as Cole Stern, youngest kid in camp, pulled the, out of the hats. Uh, first team Air Force, Brian Weiser and uh, Andrew Robinson was his assistant. Um, they pulled the five. They were pulled the five. And then the next team, Notre Dame, got pulled out. So whew, everyone up there and like Mursky and all those guys, like I had him with my own camcorder too at that point. And everyone's like, that, oh, he's going to fucking pull the one again. It's still in there. I mean, it's, I'm only the second person choosing. It's still in there. And I went up and uh, my brother and I did like a little shimmy, like a little dance type of thing and whew, looked pointed to the sky like it's all on the video so that's why i know this and put my left i always will left hand in the bag put it in and i remember uh pulling it and i i say i i i'm not looking at i'd say do i have one or two like in my hand like two things because i couldn't feel and, and it's like you got two i'm like all right so then i slipped off one of them let it drop hung on to the other went right behind behind it you know to open it and uh open it to staple whatever and i one see and I, Gordy, I go, meet me around the corner right now for a fucking flying chest bump. Get the fucking one. So we do. So he goes around the other side. I go one the other way. And we both f- appear. And you hear Lodi, right, because he's right next to the camera, go, uh-oh. Like, something, something's up. <laughs> what do they do? And we both run and do a flying chest bump. We got the one. And everyone's like, it's like, oh, shit. No way. Fucking what the f-. And I took a step back. And nice. I said, uh, Almost Famous was a big movie that came out that, that summer. So I remember... Uh, I went, I am a golden god. <laughs> you. I see Catelyn. I point him, you are a golden god. And I jump up and like put my brother in the headlock and we fly off the stage. P- totally pumped. 
to get the one again, more so than ever. Strategically, the right guy, everything was uh, it was nice. perfect. I was pumped. So it's the it's a couple days before the draft. Well, I guess it's a day before the draft. It's a couple days before the week begins. The table is set. You have all the pieces in place except for the players. Yep. Now, Catlin is the obvious choice. Yep. Who are your other secret weapons, though, going into the war room? So going into uh, what we wanted to do uh, was I wanted to – I was very confident in my abilities to I, I know how to handle the, the, the roster in terms of the, the ages. So I wasn't afraid to pick some of, um, some of the younger watermelon guys that um, – could have, if you weren't careful, could have been pushed down to wind up in JV. Uh, some teams would shy away from that. I wouldn't because I'm not going to, I'll damn well make sure they're going to be in the top seven age on the team, period. End of story. I wanted to be athletic as possible. I'm like, you got Catlin and you just let, you put him together with other athletes. He makes, he's going to make other guys that much better too. And they're going to be that much more motivated. Like, let's just dominate with athleticism. And so I wanted Kipnis. Jason Kipnis uh, is who I wanted, and um, and and uh, I was targeting after him, uh, you know, because you get two picks in a row, two twelve, three one. I was said Kipnis and uh, Jeff Nathan or Kipnis and Weisberg, mm. and <clears throat> so and and thinking to myself or knowing, you know, mapping out like that's should I should be able to get that? I mean, unless or at least I think two of those guys. I wasn't positive, but I was confident. Um, the way it would go down, like uh, Ryan Levitt, love Ryan Levitt, didn't want to take Ryan Levitt. Uh, he would tell you to this day to the same thing. He's like, yeah, you'd be a fucking idiot. How are you going to take me over Jason Kipnis? <laughs> I don't care that I was two years older than him then. I'm like, sure. neither did I. Um, hoping, like, okay, I think someone will grab Levitt. Cornblatt will probably take him right before. He was the two, Scott Cornblatt. And, uh, and to be fair, Kip at the time, and maybe even Nathan too, uh, second session guys, didn't have as many years under their belt oh, as a yeah, lot of other camp not. guys. So they were a little bit of a secret weapon in the sense that not as many people knew what yeah. was really there yet. Now, everyone knew that those guys were good at, I mean, good, really good athletes, but not, they didn't have as much of a sample size that for right. sure. They were also in cabin 11. So they were, the, they were thir- what, 13 year, uh, 14 year 14, olds. So sure. they were, you know, at that age, somebody who's in cabin 14, that's 16 compared to a 14 year old, there, there's a there's a noticeable difference a, a lot of the time. Sure. So, but they were definitely athletic, no doubt. But uh, again, they'd only come up second for um, Kipnis. Nathan had been there a few years. Kipnis's first year was two thousand, um, and I had him on a, a bunch of teams too. So the year before um, in Cantaloupe. But anyway, he um, I, I wanted them. You would think, how the hell was a future major league baseball? player all-star there in any other round than the first ever but at that time at that age right. yeah that's how it worked out and i wanted him uh jeff nathan ended up going before we had a chance to um but i, I don't know he was a toss-up between him, him and weisberg at that point anyways thank god i'm it was great because i went two three we went kipnis and weisberg and i didn't even know at the time that they were like best friends ah. and they they are to this day uh, I would say that, yeah, they are best friends to this day. And even then, so it was quite a duo and Weisberg, they were both phenomenal. Weisberg was, right. he was, a, he was really unknown cause he'd just come up a couple weeks ago for the first time, but I knew who he was tall, lean, 
fast. He could hit football. He had good hands in football. I thought he was a little bit of a hothead he, he, uh, because I was refing something and he got pissed at me and I was like, fuck is this guy? But he's good. <laughs> I knew he was good, but anyway. Beautiful. So you come out of there, uh, for, you go home, you do the forming of the teams, everybody's standing there. You're feeling great. Walk us through the week a little bit. Uh, what's the week look like? Are you guys, do you guys take off running right away? Mm-hmm. Or are you leading basically wire to wire? Yes. Not, not basically. Nice. Uh, matter of factly. Uh, very first team event we had was field hockey, field hockey which is sure. worth 20. Um, and all the other team events are worth 15, 15 right. and you could get you extras. Get some extras. But 20 is the most you can get in a team Correct. event. Correct. Right? So we had field hockey and we played uh, Army, which is T- Todd Jacobson's team, um, and Corey Eisenstein. And uh, we actually won a heart. And, and, and I remember day one, you know, I was on it from the right, the very first thing, you know, saying to the team, I knew how critical every point was because I would look back to 99 when we got off to a sluggish start and then started really getting hitting our stride, looking back and saying, man, you know, all those points, I don't want to, I remember I was like, don't want to leave a single point on the table, guys. Everything counts the same. Like let's hit the ground running. And so I'm like this first thing, like it set the tone, like really like, God, win this, you know, that's, I mean, I was really couldn't stress enough. We, we, we got it out of one, nothing win in field hockey. So that gave us 20 points. Um, maybe another team had like a couple extras and something, but we were in first because 20, maybe to 17. And then we won our next team event with, with three extras, um, and box hockey. And we, we three or four extras in the next one, three, I think. And we were, uh, so we were in, I mean, we were in lead after the first team event and we were lead after the first night when it was just two team events. I mean, obviously, cause we won our next and there was not one second. We were not in any other place, but first, all nice. the only thing that happened was our lead grew literally every day. I was going to say, was there a time when anyone got close or, no. or kind of crept up on you at all? No, the no. closest anyone was, was after the first team event when we had 20 and maybe one team had 17. That was the closest. Wow. I'm not, I'm not saying that like Donald Trump style, like exaggerating or bullshit. Like that's matter of fact. Like that's, that's actually the sure. case. Well, not to bury the lead, but par- the magic of the story and the thing that's so unprecedented and, and has not happened in the modern era is that you guys clinch before stunt night or, uh, obstacle. Yes. Um, and in some ways it doesn't take a math genius to figure out that the event is sort of built so that no one can do that. So that the last day is competitive. It's, I mean, that's sort of the structure of the event. That's why those, those events are worth so many points. You know, it is very difficult for a team to pull away, you know. Yes. A lot of years, there are teams that are not mathematic. I mean, like this year, it was astounding. On Monday morning, there were eight teams that were still mathematically in it, which is... Oh, that sounds like a lot. That's crazy. It's never that many Normally, that I remember. Normally, by Monday, you get to three or four teams that you know, are mathematically in it, but you kind of have a pretty good feel and it's going to be one or two that are just flipping places. But we get to Monday and what event is, what's your last event? When do you know this, when it all happens? So, um, I mean, really as, as the week went on, uh, and we just kept increasing lead. I mean, we were up so big 12 and 0 JV, um, seven and five SV 12 and 0, um, JV eight and eight and four preps, 10 and two in team events. We won the track meet and we came in second in swim meet. Wow. So we, the only things left that I are, that I didn't name of points wise are just obstacle and stunt, which are the two things on the last day. Uh, so the last day was comprised of, um, uh, there may or may not have been an activity period. I don't recall on the very, uh, the second to last day, excuse me, but there was three team events at uh, definitely, um, and 
we had uh, box hockey uh, and um, ping pong horseshoes, um, and then we had a one field hockey left. So I knew that uh, we, I didn't think I wasn't thinking mathematical, but we we won ping, horseshoes ping pong with an extra point, and then we won box hockey with an, with I think four extra points. I mean, so. Everyone, we were going to win. I mean, it would take a fucking miracle and a half for us to have lost at that point. However, I did not – it didn't dawn on me that at that point in time, the, with one team event left, that we could be in a position where now we could mathematically win. Elliot obviously kept track of that. So he, sure. So what he did was we're having – everyone else is having their, their final team event now. We're going to hold yours off because if you win – you will have mathematically won the week a day ahead. So he's like, at the very least, because it's really anticlimactic. Sure. Uh, They're just trying to get some drama out of it because you guys have led the whole week. So, he, he so if right you move. lose, all of camp gets to be like, awesome, you lost. Yeah. You know, I mean. Or if you, or win, if you win, they know. Right. Awesome, so some, won, some right. sort of moment of culmination. Yeah, absolutely. That you can't beat the, the, the piano mixing and how it goes, but... This is the best second best way. To, it would suck for us to have gone off and played, and everyone else play, and then you come to find out, like, yeah, Notre Dame won uh, their thing. So yeah, yeah weeks nobody, over. Thanks. Yeah, that would have been the worst. <laughs> right. So Absolutely. he kept ours to the early evening activity. Uh, we went out there and beat the fuck out of them. I mean, we won. We were up. We won five nothing. Cooper Annenberg Whoa. scored late with like maybe like fifteen seconds left in prep, and Catlin got to scored and is his last culmination he had never won the week before either and he was a, an athletic legend right and he's the one and, and he got you know he scored to, to something to like you know ride off into the sunset with and we just dominated and so people were so we went it and you, it was great i mean jumping up and down and for the throwing the sticks in the air i mean kipnis i remember in particular was the last one under the pylon he wanted he waited to be last to just be like to like dive and like kind of ride everybody and he like like total over exaggerated dive, but it was great. <laughs> and then uh, you know I'm kind of like teared up. We run in the lake, and that was it. So we had a 126 point lead going to stunt obstacle. Uh, we hung on to win. Needless to say, we. Oh, by the way, we fucked around. I, I canceled down. the last stunt practice after that. It's like, oh, by the way, stunt. <laughs> uh, we're not practicing. Uh, it's over. So we totally everyone botched lines on purpose. I mean, I didn't tell them to, but they didn't care. Right. Pulling, I had him hold up the one finger with the grab trophies that I saw were back there early. One. It was fine. Oof. I mean, not, not to keep them, but to like when sure, the curtain sure, opened, sure. it yeah, was. Yeah. So that was great. So you ride out on a high. That's the end of your camp career. Going out, winning, clinching the week, yeah. the unprecedented move. And, uh, and so then going forward, how long is it till you go back to camp in some fashion? Um, the next time I went, well, I, I came back the next summer. My brother was still there. Gordy was still oh, there sure. in 02 and uh, 03, I believe, as well. So he was there for another two years. Um, so I at one point. And then the next time after that was 05. And then from there, the next time I went was BPS. Nice. What got you into the B- – I mean, what, what – um... You know what? Um, I knew I, – I, I know about it, but I didn't really – I wasn't um, in the mix, I suppose, with, with the necessarily the coordinators. And, and a lot of the guys were – uh, it started off with like that were older and they right. had their their thing, um, so uh, Todd Michael has is uh, who I've known pretty much my whole life is as a good friend um, was like all right so he's like you got to come be I'm like yes I definitely want to come because he had started coming before then he's like Darren uh, here's the deal it's like I'll 
I'll say, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a shout out to Darren. I'll, 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 you know, I'll vouch for you. He's like, but he's like, you gotta, you can't fuck around. Like if I'm gonna do this, you can't, if I vouch for you and you flake <laughs> out or sure. you're an idiot or whatever, like just, you know, I, I was like, dude, Todd, come on. I, I'll be fine. Don't worry about it. And he, he's nervous with me because like maybe I say, you know, do some, of course. Um, so he, he did that and I I remember when Darren, you know, called me uh, not long after and I, I gave him like, I treated it like an interview and I gave him, here's why I should be chosen for this position. <laughs> I mean, kind of thing. Like, sure. And he's just like, Scott saying you're in, you don't have to worry. I mean, after I went through my stuff, he's like, I appreciate the stories. You have a ridiculous memory. There's no filter there, but you would make a fine addition. You know, of course I did get chastised at one point because I responded to one of the I did a total taboo responding to one of the emails only because Doug Baum had responded and then somebody else had responded and they'd been going there for years. So I just threw in a quick, like uh, what Doug Baum, since when do you give a shit about charity or something like that? And then I, Todd Michael calls me immediately. He's like, what are you doing? It's like, and then, and he's like, dude, you fucking idiot. I'm like, you know, you know, you're not supposed to do that. I'm like, well, Baum and, and, and Baum respond. He's like, they have they have the chops too. Like this, you're rookie. You haven't even started yet. I was like, all right. And so Darren writes me. He's like, please, you know, refrain from. Blah. And I was like, all right. I'll never do that again. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> so nice. That's how I heard about it. Nice. Yeah. All right. So wrap it up a little bit. Let's get right. into the. So what I always ask at the end. Uh, you're a grown up now. Grown up job. Grown up life. Doing all these things. Yep. How would you say your time at Camp Ojibwa affected your life? Oh, uh, it it uh, it affected it. Tremendously, um, not just in, in its depth, but in terms of the, the positive results, I, I believe, um, that have come through it. Uh, lifelong memories, friendships, uh, great times, things that happened back when I was a counselor camper, all the, my years there, even BPS, I, are things that are, are relevant to, to my life now I, that I think about. There's so many connections that are formed, too, that, that come through um, Ojibwa, just friends of friends and other uh, uh, people that you just become part of your life. Um, and it is a big part of my life. Without it, I, you know, I, there would be, I would have a, there would be, I, my list, uh, my, my core of memories and friendships would be, it would, it would be a big part that's missing because it, it wouldn't have taken place. But I, everything about uh, the camp, it also helps shape the, um, I feel like, <clears throat> The competitive, the competitive spirit, competitive spirit. Um, that I really got competitive because I really wanted to succeed. Um, I, I feel like a lot of my personality was shaped through there as well because uh, I wasn't. Uh, I was maybe a, I was shyer. I mean, which is I guess not abnormal for someone who's like ten, eleven. My first couple years, um, but as I felt more comfortable. That was a place where I really kind of like, uh, started to, to form on like this, uh, personality. And it was something that was different and unique, separate than from your friends from home and your life back at home. It was almost like, a uh, you have your Ojibwa life and you have your, your like, oh, I gotta go to school and all this other shit life. And the Ojibwa was the stuff that, uh, I really looked forward to. And, and it was special to me, um, because some of my best friends, most of my best friends outside of Ojibwa, like they have no, nothing to do with it. Right. So sure. it's, it's something that it's, it's like, this is my, my thing 
separate of that, if that makes sense. Um, so the, the, the friendships, the, the, the personality that I believe uh, came on, especially as a, as a, my later years and uh, Kevin 14 and being a counselor, like I, you know, I was, I, it was something that I felt like um, I was a big part of and I really enjoyed the camaraderie and shooting the shit. And it just, it's just, it's just one of the, my happier, more cherished um, things, I guess you could say that have transpired in my lifetime. Uh, last but not least, tell me one more great camp story. Oh, wow. Shit. Oh my God. Which one do I want to go with? Uh, well, you know what? We'll go with, well, you know what? Should I, should I go with the, the Todd Hayden, uh, not the Todd Hayden one, but he, he told, actually he didn't really tell the story. He told a quick, it was a byproduct of another story. So, Winning, okay, so after we won the week, that same, I'm in, you know, I'm in the showers, I jumped in the lake, uh, cloud nine. I mean, I'm, so I'm in a vulnerable place because, hey, I, everything's great. Brian Weiser uh, comes up to me um, as I'm, like, walking out of the shower and into the, you know, walking out of the rec hall shower um, in my robe, whatever, and he's just like, yeah, not very, like, casually. He's like, yeah, my, he's like, my, my sister's sister went to Miramita. He's like, my sister... Uh, has this, this, she wanted me to give it to you. It was from somebody over camp, whatever, at Merrimee or whatever it was. I was like, all right. So I open it, it's letter, written, girl's handwriting, very nice little hearts on there and stuff. And it was a letter uh, to me as if it was, it was in secrecy. Like, don't, don't, it says, don't mention this to anyone or whatever. This is between you and me. Like Taylor Cutchin, who I had a huge crush on all summer, was totally into her. And um, I thought it may have been mutual. She had a boyfriend at the time, but whatever. She's fucking smoking. Uh, anyhow, from her saying, meet me at the light tower and keep this on the down low and whatever and all this, you know, whatever else was in there. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, like we win the week, dominate it, everything's sweet. And now this, <laughs> at the same time coming to fruition, I go, when it fucking rains, it pours whether it's for better or worse, and this is one of the times it's for the better. I was so pumped. Of course, I didn't listen to a single word that she had said. Right. I, I, in terms of don't say anything, what I did is I probably went up to about 25 different people and said, yo, yo, don't tell anyone, but yo, check this shit out. Like, you know, like whoever it was. Uh, Kaplan, obviously I told Wiser because he was going to give me a letter. Like, he's like, yeah, shit, that's amazing. Like, everyone's like, dude, that's fine. Oh, my God going up to all these people. So then getting ready to go out that night, <clears throat> we were going to meet it. Supposed to, I was supposed to meet her at midnight at the light tower the thing. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? The light yeah, tower. Yeah, so, uh, going in laws like, all right, I had to ride coordinated uh, a couple people that were coming up because, um, I was going to have some drinks, but I wasn't going to drive of course. And I never have, never will. Well, I shouldn't say never have, but I never will again. Anyhow, did not that night either. <laughs> the, I had a ride set up. Um, I left a little bit earlier. We were at in-laws um, just because, like, at the, as far as those guys knew, like, it was just me and them who knew about this because I needed a ride. And sure. So they dropped they drop me. I'm, like, you know, I'm a little nervous, but I'm like, all right, all right. They dropped me off to the light tower, and I'm looking around, and, and she's not there, and I'm like, all right, whatever. They, 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 t they take off. So it's just me, and I'm maybe for, like, seven seconds, whatever, and I don't see anyone. And then at the same time, I 
I want to say it was probably, it could have been 30 guys, 30 different counselors come simultaneously come from like, cause it's like shaded off. They all come right. to the forefront out of the woods simultaneously pointing and laughing at me. All of them, everybody, <laughs> wow. everyone, like the people that I had gone to be like, dude, dude they all were in on it. Every single person <laughs> oh, was in on this that I, brutal. except for basically getting me and I bought it hook, line and sinker. And it could have gone two ways at that point. Sure. My reaction could have been, but I, I, I definitely, I think I handled it the right way, which was the, um, I, I, I said, you know, well done. Like, <laughs> you son took of your a bitch. You're like, okay. I was like, sure. you motherfuckers. Oh my God. <laughs> and then and like all that. And like, so I wasn't embarrassed. I was like, God damn, this is good. Like hook, line and sinker. And then, so it, it was just, it, everybody, those guys, you can ask around anyone who was there re remembers that they were all in on it. It was actually Hayden had claimed that, uh, and I don't know, but from what I was told, and I, b I believe this to be true, is that uh, it was it was mostly a Jeff Kaplan production. I see. Um, and he got Jill, sure, the camp nurse, to write the letter, and because she's <laughs> the girly handwriting, right? Of course, it's the key so to the whole thing. <laughs> that's what Ian Weiser was big in on it, and Victor, I think. Um, I don't know how much Hayden had to do with it until his podcast. I didn't know that he was involved in that level, but I think he was my co he was my co counselor. It was an awesome prank story, whatever. I've even brought it up to Taylor Cushion since, and she plays dumb. Like she was like, I was like, dude, no, 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 it's cool. Like I'm not embarrassed about it. It's 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 it's, it's endearing, right? Like and she's, she's like, like, I don't know what you're talking what's about. your name? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I was like, you fucking no. Oh. Anyways, you heard about it, son of a bitch. Come That's on, amazing. humor me. Anyhow, I. I could give you a million more, but you want to go. I got to go. It's too much. Um, All right, man. I'm sorry that I, if that wasn't the sweetest story, but I have a million others if you want to do like 10 more of these. <laughs> that was perfect. Thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Thank you. Shock the world. Okay, that is it. Another one in the books. Scott Zang, uh, never shy about talking about his 2001 clinching of Collegiate Week. I'll be honest with you, there was probably uh, another hour of us talking that didn't make the cut because uh, we just, we really did a deep, deep dive on the intricacies of, you know, I mean, honestly, it, the, the only team to have really clinched the week that way. Uh, especially since Elliot's been in charge of doing the math and, and I don't mean that he rigs it in any way, but just that, you know, the system is set up so that that can't happen. And for a team to do it really is a feat. So kudos to the 2001 Notre Dame team, all its members and coaches, excellent work. Your feet may never again be matched. As always, if you want to get in touch with the podcast, you know how. Drop me an email, Christopher at CampoJiboHistory.org, or just swing by the website and see what's new. Something new going up all the time with OJ90 right around the corner. Oh, did I say OJ90? Go get your tickets. Buy your tickets. Get over it. Get done with it. Get it finished. And then go outside and maybe have a cigar. Even, even Victor, who's just a couple years older than me, 
um, you know, like one of the weaker one ones ever. But uh, I mean, all time, all time, maybe bottom five. Is that inflammatory? I can say that about Victor, right? I mean, he knows. There's a difference in inflammatory and facts, (laughs) right? Like facts are facts. I'm, 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 Victor. I'm pretty tight with, and that is very facts. If we're gonna, if we're gonna fact check, he's probably bottom, you know, bottom five. All time. You can quantify it. Yeah, he would. If if there are a way to quantify it. Um, but hey, being a one one, to say I listen, I'd rather be the the worst one one ever than. Uh, not saying that he's the worst, but <laughs> I'd rather be one of the weaker one ones than the sure. uh, than uh, one of the uh, stronger two sevens, which I, I believe I, I, I was one of the stronger two sevens. Fair enough, of great all, call. Of all time. 